Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. noticed or you've, you've, you've heard as of yet, but we've been getting submerged around here this week. Yeah. It's been vacation Bible school, and uh, the entire theme is submerged. Uh, and so we've been talking to the kids about how do they go just like a little bit deeper um, inside, of their, uh, inside of their walk with Jesus. But I ain't going to lie to you, sometimes I get a little scared of the water. So when they were talking about getting submerged, I just said, I said, listen, I'm not going out there. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. So uh, this morning, uh, I, I am prepared. And as we were just talking, though, uh, this week about this entire theme, submerged, um, and, and getting the kids to go a little bit deeper, I started, we started thinking about this, this entire idea, the fact that, um, you know, uh, parenting, parenting could go a little bit deeper, couldn't it? Huh? You're sitting out there right now like, is he going to wear that the whole time? And what if I do? Parenting could go just a little bit deeper, couldn't it? Uh, when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, uh, a lot of people live at a certain level. Um, there's no water coming, is there? Is there water coming in the back? Any water coming? Okay, I'm going to take this off. So when it's all said and done, though, here's, here's, here's where kind of we live a lot of times is we live above the surface in our parenting. And basically when, that, when we talk about that, what we're talking about is what does the world think of parenting? What does the world think, what is the world's version of parenting? So here's some phrases I think that we, we see, that we hear and or things that we see oftentimes. Number one is that um, children are to be seen and not heard. Like people, I just heard people be like, amen. <laughs> Which part of the world's version don't you understand? That children are supposed to be seen and they are not supposed to be heard. And too many times, here's what that turns into. That turns into the fact that, that families don't sit down together at dinner. It's like every, every man for himself inside of the house. You're still looking at me like he's still wearing that. <laughs> yeah, just hold on. We're going to get there. But there's no family dinners. There's everybody gets separated as long as we can send the kids off to the playroom and we've got our own quiet space and our quiet time, everything should be fine, right? That kids should be seen and not heard. Part of that, too, is the fact that we give them stuff. We just, like, give our kids, like, tons of stuff. In fact, why do we buy all of those electronic advice, uh, you know, devices for our children? To make sure that they're seen and not heard. So then they can plug in, so they can plug in the phone, you know, plug in the, the, the earphones and just go to town and have a great time. I am just going to go ahead and tell you, man, I, if I was a kid, I, I, I'd go ahead and fast forward up until now versus when I grew up as a child. 
Because I'm serious, I was the last generation where the seatbelt was mom's arm. I was the last generation of that. And there was nothing, there was nothing to play with inside of the car on a long journey. Anybody remember those days? And what I love is my kids now get bored in the car. Really? You can watch movies, you can play any game you want to play, you can do whatever you want to do, but you're bored. Oh, I feel bad for you. My mom used to read us Reader's Digest drama in real life. Anybody remember those? Those were like horrific stories of survival people in car accidents and mountain climbing. That's what we used to do for entertainment on the road. And you wonder how I turned out like this. But we just go ahead and we give them stuff. We make sure that if all of their friends had the same one pair of tennis shoes, that they all have the same pair of tennis shoes because we just wouldn't want our kids, right, not to look like all the other kids. So the world oftentimes looks and says that give them stuff. In fact, I, I you know, the world spoils kids. And I'm, right now I'm having a really hard time because I feel my wife staring me down. And I know she's thinking to herself at this moment. Um, she's right there, sweetie. Just raise your hand. Uh, I know, uh, just being con- confessional right now, and I know she's thinking that at this moment, she's like, yeah, remember that the next time you take Liberty to the Disney store? Uh, what are you clapping about? We just give them stuff. Another one of the world's ideas of parenting is one size fits all. One size fits all. That means that if you've got one child, you treat him as the same as the second child or the third child or the fourth child or the fifth child. And if you've got a fifth child, ladies and gentlemen, you need to go to a counselor. (laughs) We've got a mental health team waiting for you right outside. One size fits all, the same rules, the same approaches for every single child as if they're all the same. As if every single one of them are the same. It comes down to oftentimes this idea of one size fits all means that we're going to make sure that we are fair with our children. That each child gets exactly what the last child got. Well, good luck on that one. If that's your style to parenting, then it's the world's style of parenting. In fact, you know what? I've seen it so bad that I know of a pastor's kid. I know, I personally know a pastor's kid that they were so completely, they were so completely devoted to making sure that they were fair with their children that when Christmas came along and presents were put under the tree, that one of the presents that was included was a check. And the check to each child was the difference between what the other child had received. To make sure the exact same amount was spent on every child. You say, that's a little weird. Keeping in mind that the same pastor's family um, forced their children to go to Christian school and made their children, their children pay for it. Uh, One size does not fit all. Not every child inside of your family is the exact same. 
But then one of the things I see the world do often and, and the most that concerns me is that, that we, can, we attempt to try to control our child's destiny as if we can. As if what we decide they are going to be and who they're going to be when they grow up is determined by us. I'm not going to lie to you, ladies and gentlemen. God takes offense at that because God did not create your children to be like you. He created your children to be like them. They are totally separate, different entities. Why do we do this? Why do we try to control their destinies? Well, oftentimes it's out of fear. And by the way, I walked out here today and, and I still look stinking ridiculous. Huh? I look like crazy ridiculous right now. Why? Because you're like, no normal human being is going to walk out here with all this stuff on, thinking that they're going to have to deal with a bunch of water coming in just because the theme is called submerged, right? But man, all of the safety precautions that we constantly stick around our children. Now, I'm not going to say that, hey, listen, a lot of them are not great. This next week, I'm going to go, and my, my, my middle-born son, he's like big into the skateboard right now, and I'm tired of spending money on Band-Aids, so I think we're going to spend some money on some pads. Uh, we're going to get him some pads, but can I just go ahead and tell you, when it's all said and done, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing that you can ultimately do to keep your children safe on any given day. You can try and you can work hard at it, but ultimately you cannot keep your children safe. I had an incident not too long ago where uh, a, 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 a boy was way up in the tree and I heard somebody say something to the effect of, hey, listen, uh, you know, man, that's, that's a scary deal. Like why are they way up in there in the tree? And you know what? I thought to myself at that point, I thought, you know what? If you don't let your children climb a tree, then they'll never climb Mount Everest. Huh? Yeah, things can happen. I've already, we've already resulted in one broken arm and two broken noses in my house. But guess what? There's nothing you can ultimately do to 100% keep your children safe. That's not to say that we shouldn't do things that uh, create safety around our children. It's not that we shouldn't teach our children how to think and make wise decisions so that they will, in fact, stay safe. But when it's all said and done, danger is coming to us all at some point. And fear, parenting out of fear is not the way to parent. It doesn't work. We think we can control their destinies by keeping them safe. We think that we can control their destinies by their personal image. You know, making sure that they look like every other guy and, and gal at school. Making sure that, hey, listen, that they look good, that they've got the best all the time. All you need to do is have a middle child, and you'll know that you'll just give up on the personal image side of things. Because uh, they just don't care how they walk out of the house. <laughs> Doesn't matter anymore. Uh, we try to control the way, the destinies of our children by vicariously living through them. Have we just seen like this epidemic, an epidemic uh, on sports fields? Huh? Just because you stick, whether it's a violin or a football or a basketball or anything else, in a child's arms when they're two years old does not mean that they're going to grow up to be yo-yo ma. It does not mean that they are going to uh, be able to grow up to be Stephen Curry. 
Guess what? You cannot vicariously live how you failed through the lives of your children. It's not possible. And it's not what God created them to be. Their, your interest and your passion does not equal their interest or their passion. And then here's another thing, too, that I think oftentimes we do as we try to control their destinies is that we forbid certain things. We just absolutely forget helping them learning how to make a right choice. We just forbid certain things. I heard it said incredibly well uh, this last week by Hannah Martin, who is one of our uh, pers- people on the worship tribe. Many of you know her. She said this. She said that um, too often that which is forbidden becomes the future addiction. Like, just let that sink in for a little while. Huh? Because I can even look at it in, as true in my, entire, in my own life. The things that I was totally 100% forbidden from at some point were something I had problems with. And I had to try to figure it out. Rather than helping our children understand and, and, and grow and to make wise decisions in things. I think there might be a better way than just the world's version of parenting, don't you? In fact, what I want you to do today is I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10 beginning in verse 13. And I want you to see this incident with Jesus that many of you, if you've been in church for any time, you understand, you know about, but if you haven't, then you're going to get to see, I think, what is a really awesome glimpse of who this Jesus that we're talking about today is. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, it says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents. The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Because, you know, Jesus was always really bothered by the kiddos, right? When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He was mad. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. And I think at that moment, Jesus taught us everything that we need to know about being parents. Now, I recognize right now that I'm talking to an audience in which not everybody in here is a parent. I recognize that. The fact is, though, there's many of you that you will be someday. So it would be wise to go ahead and continue to take notes. (laughs) I recognize that there is those that are in here who have unfortunately, due to life circumstances, not been able to have children and want to be able to do that in a big way. And I will just go ahead and say to you that even though you have not been able to do that, there are still children in your life that you can bless. And there's the right way to do that. In some way, shape, or form, almost all of us will have interactions 
with little guys and little gals. And Jesus gives us the perfect example of exactly how is that supposed to take place. So rather than parenting like the world would parent, how about this? How about we parent like Jesus' parents? He didn't have his own children, but guess what? I guess he does, doesn't he? Because if you decided to become and make Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life, then you have a heavenly father who parents very well. So let's talk just for a moment about what parenting by Jesus looks like. What it looks like, according to what I see here, is that then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Parenting by Jesus, pretty simple. Touch and bless. There you go, we're done. Parenting by Jesus, touch and then bless. How should we touch our children? And I, I got to tell you what, as we sat down, even as a creative team, and we started like trying to unpack this whole entire message, one of the things that just came up was that there is this terrible connotation when we start talking about touching children. Right? When we start thinking about touching children, it's almost like it gives us these, it's almost like we feel these heebie-jeebies. Because of all the TV shows that are out there and all the reports that are on the news and all of those types of things. I think that is despicable that the enemy has won that way. I do. I think it is despicable that the enemy has been able to take something called touching a child and turn it into such an evil thought. And I say that the church of living God ought to redeem that again. That is something for the church of the living God to bring, to, 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 to bring back. And to say, no, it's not evil if you touch a child in the way that Jesus touched a child. Because I don't know about you, I'm a full-grown adult and I need human touch. We were born for it. We were born to shake hands. We were born to hug. We were born to be close. We were born to be intimate with those that we love the most. That is how we were born. That is how we are wired. That is how we are shaped. And to do it any other way, to do it any other way, or to accept that that is not the case is absolutely worldly. So how should we touch our children? Well, I think the first thing that we should do is that we should know them as individuals. We should know our kiddos as individuals. Recognizing that I've got three of them, they run around my house all the time. Recognizing that all three of them are, although they might have traits that are like me, they are not me. Although that they might have traits that are like my wife, they are not my wife. They are them. Completely different and completely separate. Although they might be running around the house as brothers and sisters. Guess what? Every single one of them is uniquely different. Uniquely created by God and put here on planet earth for an incredible purpose. And so let me just ask you. Do you know the differences in your children? 
Can you see the differences or do you see them as one size fits all? Do you see where one is being more, maybe going down the creative route of art and the other one is going down a creative line of science and another one is going down a creative line of sports? Can you see and can you differentiate and are you okay with letting them go wherever their heart wants to go, not where you want to take their heart? Knowing them individually will absolutely help to determine the way that we should touch our children. And when I talk about touching, I'm talking about like literally physically touching our children. Because too often what takes place in families is that touching of a child is a negative thing. It's a jerk on the shoulder that says, hey, listen, are you listening to me? It, it may be the smack of a hand on another hand. It may be using a hand for corporal punishment. I'm not advocating corporal punishment. I'm just saying I know that it's in use out there. I know my mama used it. Hold on a second. Just had some PTSD coming back. I'm, whoo. But touch should be a blessing. And I'll just go ahead and say this. You know, in my house, here's the thing. And again, listen to me. I'm not advocating this. But I will say this about my mom and dad. They used corporal punishment. And uh, they used it in a controlled manner. They used it in a controlled manner. Because my dad grew up in a world where corporal punishment was not used in a controlled manner. That was, that was, it was him running around a house with grandma chasing after him with a belt. And wherever the belt may fly, whatever it may hit, good luck. Thus creates the need to run around the house. <laughs> my, in my house, it was, used as a, it was used in a very, very controlled manner. Again, I'm not advocating it, but here's one of the things I used to love about what my mom and dad said. And I'm not going to lie, you know, we've used it a few times in my house. It's not very, very, very often at all. But... One thing that I appreciate about my mom and dad is they, they used on us a plastic spoon. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm having PTSD again. I'm just, uh, <laughs> my mom quit using it the day the plastic spoon broke and I laughed. Uh, <laughs> that was the final spanking I ever received. But you know what they used to say to us? Seriously, here's what they used to say to us. They, they used to say, you know what, we're never going to use our hand. Never going to use our hand. Because any, anything on us that touches you, we want to touch you in 100% love and blessing. Now, I used to argue, hey, listen, the plastic spoon, ain't that, ain't that an extension of your hand? <laughs> but listen, we want to use touch as a blessing, don't we? And it should be a blessing inside of our children's lives. I mean, I, I just got to ask a question, like seriously, and you just need to uh, self-evaluate this, but um, in your child's life, every single day, do they get touched in a loving way? Every single day. And I don't, I, by the way, I don't, care, I don't care if your kids are grown and gone and they come to visit you, I'm asking this of you. 
Those who even, they're grown and gone. When they come back to your house, they get touched in a loving way. Or gentlemen, dare I say this, because I know that there is a generation out there that is like this. I've experienced it before. Thank God my dad is not one of those people. But when all of a sudden uh, your grown son shows up to your house and all he gets from you is a handshake. Really? That's not enough. That's not how God created us to be. It's not what Jesus, it's not how Jesus would treat us. I got news for you. If you walk into heaven someday, you're not going to get a handshake. At the very least, you're going to get a hug. So we bless them by the way that we touch them, not negatively, but positively. Do your children receive positive touch from you every single day? A hug, a kiss, I love you. Can I tell you what my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the day is? Is I walk in and I see my little girl and I say, you know what I need? And she looks back up at me and she says, your favorite kisses? And I say, yep. And she'll come over and she'll kiss me on, on the cheek. And every once in a while, just for fun, I'll just walk away. And as soon as I start to walk away, she's like, I want my favorite kisses. Folks, that's how God created us to be. That is what he wants inside of our lives is he wants positive touch. Even, even in those moments of mad, even in those moments of anger, I've, I've told you, uh, you know, I joke all the time, my middle child, this kid is going to rule the world someday. He is, whether it is by dictatorial uh, demand or whether he gets voted into office one way or the other, he will rule the world. He's never walked into a room he did not think he was in charge of. And so, as a result, I call him, I call him the wild man. That's, that's his nickname around our house. He's the wild man. And, uh, and so, I, the problem is, he and I are exactly alike. For years, I tried to put it off on my wife. It's not true. It's me. I did it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every day, I'm like, Jesus, I, I, I confess. Uh, he's the wild man. And... I noticed that like when he starts to get wild, you know what it's really easy to do when you have the same personality as that child? It's just easy to get wild back at him, isn't it? It's easy to just go ahead and get angry and mad and like fuss and holler and scream. Not that I've ever done that. But it's so simple to do that. But here's what I've noticed, even with the wild man, is that if I'll take the time to just go ahead and let my own volume go down and I'll say hey buddy come here come see me and he'll walk over to me and I'll put my arms around him in in a corrective moment and I will whisper in his ear what he needs to be doing it's like it changes that quick because we have this need to be loved we have this need to be touched we have this need to be cared for so we should touch like Jesus touched. And you know what? We should bless our children like Jesus blessed children. Number one, by the way, we live, parents. By the way, whatever it is that you do, they will do someday too. And if you think that they are not watching, you have lost your mind. If you think that they have not seen, you have lost your mind. If you think that there are times when they have their ear to the door, that that never happens while you're having an adult conversation in another room, you've lost your mind. 
In fact, they are more tech savvy than you are right now. They probably have you on audio in their own room because they've planted speakers throughout the house. By the way we live, number one is the way that we can bless them because guess what? They are going to follow. They are going to do what it is that, they do, that, we, that we do. We can bless them through prayer. Do we really seriously take the time to pray for our kiddos? And I mean like deep prayer for our kids. Praying for them means that you know who they are individually. It means that you know the individual issues that are going on in their lives, the individual struggles, and you can even foresee some of the struggles that they will have in the future. And so you pray that God will give you wisdom, and you pray that God will bestow upon them wisdom in order to be able to live life accordingly. We can do so many incredible things through prayer. I remember coming home from college at a really, really difficult time in my life. And as I was coming home um, and I was there for the weekend, I got up one morning. My mom had already left off for work, but she had actually left her Bible and her prayer journal out on the table. So I did what any kid would do, even in college. I was up in the prayer journal. I opened that bad boy up, and you know what? I found my name in there a lot. <laughs> like a lot. And uh, as I'm looking at all of these things that my mom is praying for me, I'm also looking back at some things over the course of the last semester that when my mom, I would talk to her on the phone, and she would say, hey, listen, how can I pray for you? Um, that I would tell her some things. And I started to notice that all of the things that I had asked her to pray for were already crossed out on the list. And I recognized at that moment that, you know what, my mom has changed my life in the mornings when she brings me to Jesus. We can incredibly bless our children by praying for them. We can bless our children not just by giving them stuff, and by the way, again, guilty as charged, not by giving them stuff, but don't make stuff the most important thing. Make experience the most important thing in their life. Give your children experiences. All of that stuff is going to go away someday. I got news for you. Any electronic that you can buy for them is obsolete the next week because they want the new one, right? So forget the stuff. How about, how about spend the time and effort on making sure that you give your children experiences and that you give your children experiences with you? That they get to hang out with you, that they get to know you, that you have one-on-one time with them. I know it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a busy person. But when it's all said and done, you know something? I just need time one-on-one with every one of my kiddos. And so in our house, we do what we call daddy dates. We do mommy dates. When one of us will just go and hang out with one of the kiddos. In fact, my wife will come to me sometimes and say the name of one of our children and just say, hey, you know what? You need to go hang out with her. And it's amazing too. Like seriously, like we will watch kind of the pressure grow and then all of a sudden you go and you hang out on a daddy date and my wife will be like, he was good for the next two weeks. <laughs> it's fine. Because, and we didn't even talk about any of that stuff. We just hung out. Our kids need that. They need experiences from us. It's my goal, and I've said this before, and I've already accomplished it with our, with our first child, but by, by the time that all of my children are 10 years old, I want to take them on a 
a, a foreign missions trip opportunity. I want to take every single one of them on a trip with me. Did it with Lawton this last year. Absolutely amazing time. You know something? I'll never forget it, and neither will he. We've got to hang out with our kids, and we've got to spend some time with them. Then we've got to show leadership in their lives. Do you hear me? Listen to this. We've got to show leadership in, our li- in their lives. This does, not mean, this does not mean just authority. Too, too often as parents, what we do is we replace authority and leadership, and we think it's the same thing. It is not. Leadership is teaching somebody how to grow up and how to do it the right way, how to make their own decisions. That's what leadership is. Authority is just telling somebody what to do and say, go do it. It's not asking a question. Authority is not asking a question. It's making a declarative statement. We've got to teach them wisdom by asking them the questions and showing leadership. And yes, there becomes times when authority is absolutely the only thing that's going to take place. No, you're not going to run out in the street, period. Or yes, please go ahead and run out in the street right now. That would be great. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say that? I'm sorry. That was in the back of my mind. That was in parentheses. I wasn't supposed to say that out loud. Uh, And then also remember this, that your words, right now, your words will be their words. Oh, man, how many of you, you can look back on your own mom and dad, and you're like, oh, I said what they said. I am cursed. When I was a kid, I said I'd never say that, but I say that now. You know why? Because their words become your words. Their their words that are in their heads become the words that you speak out loud to them. When you speak words of blessing, when you speak words uh, of peace, when you speak words of leadership, when you speak words of wisdom, then they're going to wake up as adults and they're going to think words of peace and encouragement and wisdom. If you speak negative words into their life, when they get up as adults in the future, they're going to get up saying, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm a failure. I'm no good. The words you speak right now are eventually the words they will speak in their own heads. And they're also the words, they're also the words they're going to speak to other people. This one hurts. When we started talking about this this last week, I was like, no, I don't want to say this one. This is the point I don't want to bring out because I started thinking about it. It's like, you know what? The words, the, the, the way I treat my wife is the way that someday my boys are going to treat a woman. Gentlemen, let that one sink in for just a second. I'm not even going to camp out on it. <laughs> just let it sink in. The way that we treat our spouses are the way that someday our children are going to treat their spouses. The way that we treat our children are someday the way that they're going to treat their children. Serial killers. They're not born. They're trained. The goal, ultimately, of parenting is this. The goal is that they leave, right? (laughs) I mean, can I at least get an amen on that? (laughs) I'm not kidding. Even the Bible says it. The goal is that they leave. But it's that they leave ready. It's that they leave absolutely 100% ready. The goal is that they leave and that they leave ready. 
I remember, man, my parents, they took some chances on me. And I look back now, and I remember when I was 15 years old, and, and I went to them for the first time, and I said, hey, listen, I've, had this op- I've got this opportunity that's coming up, and uh, I want to work at a summer camp all summer long, nine weeks of summer. I want to work at this camp, which pretty much means I'm not going to see you guys for nine weeks out of the summer. I'm not going on family vacation. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I want to go, and I want to work summer camp. I was 15 years old, and they looked at me, and they said, okay, do it. We believe it's going to be a great training ground for you in the future. Either that or they just didn't want to see me for nine weeks. It was, <laughs> I'm kind of realizing that right now. It's <laughs> and they sent me off. And I, I, I just got to say, like, crazy town stuff that you would send your child off at 15 years old for nine weeks and pretty much not see them maybe once or twice on, on, on a weekend here and there. But they would send me off. And you know what? I did that for all of my high school career. Never went on family vacation. Never did any of that. I was at camp all summer long. My parents gave up like crucial weeks of being around me when I was a teenager during the summer. Again. Hey, in the back, would you remind me to cut this illustration for the next service? <laughs> but you know something? They were willing to do it. And as a result, as a result, I'm not kidding. I, did, I learned how to do a whole lot of things when I, was, when I was 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. I learned how to wash my own clothes. Don't tell mom. Uh, I learned how to wash my own clothes. I learned how to budget a paycheck throughout a week. I learned how to travel on my own. I I learned a lot of like really amazing things. So when I was 18 years old and we packed up my car for college and we got it all packed in and I remember the day we pulled out, my mom and and sister, they were in front of me and there's stuff that I needed was in their car too and we were pulling out and I was waving goodbye to my dad who was standing there on the front lawn and uh, I took off to college from the time that I left home and lived in college. I never lived back in my parents' house again. And my parents were like, yeah. <laughs> Because here's the deal. They knew that the goal was not to live vicariously through me. The goal was not to, to, to create me in their image. I've already been created in the image of the one that's most important. The goal was that they got me ready to leave and to go live life and do it the right way. And I recognize that, hey, listen, that may not be the case for every single person here. And there are extenuating circumstances at times in which children need to move back in and, and, and spend some time with mom and dad. Um, that, you know, there are all kinds of different issues. But ultimately, the goal is to make sure that they're ready to leave. And folks, that's what, that's what Jesus' parenting looks like. That's what Jesus' parenting looks like. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask if the band would please to go ahead and come back out, and I'm going to ask you guys, if you don't mind, to just bow, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And here's what the response is today. Again, maybe you are a, a, a parent, um, and maybe you're not. Maybe your children, they've already left home. Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, you're someday going to have children, whatever it may be. I just want you guys to take just a moment 
for the next few seconds just to pray together. In fact, join your spouse, join the, the, the person next to you, or if you're by yourself, that's fine. But I just want you to say, hey, listen, how, how is it that I can be a greater blessing inside of the lives of, of guys and gals? How can, I, how can I be a Jesus influence on the children who are around? Would you just take some time to pray, and then I'm going to close this out in just a moment. Heavenly Father, today, You've given us this, this great responsibility as adults to bless the lives of the next generation, to prepare the lives of the next generation, to live like Christ followers, to live inside of wisdom, to live um, inside of the ability to raise the next generation. And Lord, I know that Every one of us in some way, shape, or form that we failed at this at times. God, I know that as a father that I have absolutely at times completely dropped the ball and not, be, and not have been who I'm supposed to be. But God, I know this much. I know that uh, you can forgive us for all of that. And I pray that you would bestow upon us today, that you would give to us today the power to have Jesus' influence on the lives of our boys and girls so that they might grow up to have Jesus' influence on others. And in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.